About 100,000 registered nurses left the workforce during the past two years due to stress, burnout, and retirements. That's according to the National Council of State Boards of Nursing. And get this, the study projects another 600,000 to leave the profession over the next four years. Hospitals are in fierce competition to attract nurses. In Watertown, the hospital is trying to recruit local and bring nurses into the culture of the place to get them to stay. That's today's story of the day. Support for Story of the Day comes from Long Run Wealth, an SEC-registered investment advisor in Lake Placid, providing comprehensive wealth management, retirement, and financial planning solutions. LongRunWealth.com. Hey, I'm David Summerstein. It's Wednesday, November 29th. First up, the 40-year-old Mohawk land claim in Franklin and St. Lawrence counties has taken another small step towards resolution. New York Governor Kathy Hochul signed a law giving her authority to negotiate with the Mohawks in Akwesasne to reach a final settlement. Here's my story about that. About a year and a half ago, the Akwesasne Mohawks won a huge legal victory. A federal judge ruled New York State had taken thousands of acres of Mohawk land in St. Lawrence and Franklin counties illegally in the 1800s. But the judge didn't propose a resolution, leaving the Mohawks, the towns and counties in New York State to figure it out for themselves. That's been the work since then. It hasn't been easy to this point, and it, you know, there's still... Um, sticking points on that. Assemblyman Billy Jones has been involved in land claim talks since he was a Franklin County legislator more than a decade ago. The new law New York's legislature passed and Governor Kathy Hochul signed allows Hochul to negotiate a final settlement with the Akwesasne Mohawks. Those talks will involve incredibly complicated issues in the land claim areas, which include parts of Messina and Fort Covington and an area known as the Hogansburg Triangle in Franklin County. Everything from tax-exempt status to snow plowing and infrastructure to the new size of the Mohawk Reservation. Jones says it won't be easy. I will say, yes, there is work to be done, but I I can also state um, unequivocally that this is... um, This is a big step forward. The new law is based on a framework announced last June. The state will pay Franklin County and the local towns $15 million and an additional $2 million a year in perpetuity to compensate for lost tax revenue when land becomes sovereign Mohawk territory. The state agreed to a compensation deal with St. Lawrence County in 2014. Mohawk chiefs weren't available to comment for this story Tuesday. But in a press release last June, the St. Regis Mohawk tribe said, quote, there are very few issues left to be resolved, and the council has every confidence that the parties will reach agreement. Any deal between New York State and the Mohawks will have to be approved by the U.S. Congress. David Summerstein, North Country Public Radio. Legislators and labor advocates in New York State want Governor Hochul to sign a bill that would outlaw non-compete contracts. They say they're concerned about a big business lobbying effort to halt the measure. They also say that the governor's staff won't meet with them. Karen DeWitt has more. Non-compete agreements prohibit an employee of a company from working for a competitor or opening their own competing business for a certain length of time after the worker leaves the job. 
Senator Sean Ryan, the sponsor of a bill that would end non-compete clauses, says the agreements used to be limited to highly paid upper echelon executives at large organizations. But he says now many people, from car rental shop workers to doctors, are required to sign them as terms of their employment. The truth is that one in five Americans are subjected to non-compete agreements. Here in New York State, over 40% of the employers use non-compete agreements. Ryan was joined by supporters, including members of SAG-AFTRA, which recently successfully ended a 118-day strike against the film and television industry, the New York State Academy of Family Physicians, and members of the state's AFL-CIO. Rebecca Damon with SAG-AFTRA says the non-compete agreements harm the overall economy and artificially suppress wages. A non-compete clause allows allows workers' employer to force the employee to choose between better work opportunities or stability or consistency in their home life, which makes it unnecessary for the employer to make a fair market-based offer. They say they face fierce opposition, though, from some of the state's largest employers, represented by the New York State Business Council. The group's Public Policy Institute is sponsoring ads on YouTube, warning bluntly of what they see as the dangers of the measure. Albany's vote to ban anti-competition agreements would shatter our economy crippling businesses' ability to fuel innovation and retain talent and risk seeing our jobs flee to other states. They've even created a website called JobKillerBillNY.com. Senator Ryan and other supporters of the measure say they're also concerned over the Hochul administration's denial of their request to hold a meeting before the governor considers the bill. Paul Son, with the National Employment Law Project, for decades has worked on issues at the state capitol. He says he can't recall ever being denied a meeting about an important policy bill before. I can't think of a chance at another piece of labor legislation in Albany where we have worked on where we have not been able to get a meeting with the governor's team. He calls it unusual. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. Hochul spokesperson Avi Small said in a statement that the governor and her administration regularly meet with stakeholders about pending legislation. According to Small, they've discussed the non-compete ban repeatedly with advocates, including many present at the press conference. Rural health care is facing a lot of issues right now. Money problems, consolidation, and staff shortages are just a few. But North Country hospitals are looking for solutions. And as part of our ongoing series on healthcare, we're looking at one at Samaritan Medical Center in Watertown. As Amy Feireisel reports, a new pilot program to bring nurses to the emergency department there has proved fruitful. When the coronavirus pandemic hit, Samaritan Medical Center lost a lot of staff. You know, the baby boomers decided to retire The vaccine mandate hit, you know, and people didn't want to get their vaccine. That's Kim Smith, a critical care nurse of 40 years and the director of critical care at Samaritan. She says hospitals started hiring more traveling nurses, which then led to more staff leaving. People left their stable jobs and, you know, went traveling because the travelers were making an abundance of money. Those losses led to an ongoing worker shortage in hospitals across the nation. In Watertown, that put the squeeze on all departments. But Smith said it's been especially hard in the emergency room, which is a high-stress environment. 
down in the emergency room, you get a little bit of everything. So you just have to be ready to handle whatever comes at you. It takes a special person to adjust to a fast setting and critical thinking. But having quality trained ER staff is vital. So is having enough of them. And that's why leadership at Samaritan started looking at ways to recruit new emergency department nurses. They landed on starting a program that exists in lots of other larger hospitals, a one-year program for recent nursing graduates. They plan to pull from Jefferson Community College graduates and spouses moving to Fort Drum. 29-year-old Sarah Wallace was the very first participant. She grew up in Brownville outside Watertown. I was a tech in the ER for six years prior to going to nursing school. So I knew that if I left, I was going to want to come back. That was something just I was very passionate about. Here's how it worked. Wallace went straight from nursing school into the year-long program, where she spent six months rotating through different floors in the hospital, like the ICU and med surge. So I spent the six months up on the floors doing things and meeting some amazing nurses, and then taking those skills that I've gathered and learned from them and utilizing them in the emergency department. Wallace spent the next six months in the ER under supervision, and now she's a full-time RN. The idea is to set up nurses for success in the ER and get them there as soon as possible and with knowledge of the hospital's inner workings. This program helps with the communication between the floors and like resources. It's just so amazing to know that if there's something I don't know, I know how to figure it out. Right now, they've got five more participants in the program and more are coming. As the first participant, Lawless gave feedback, and they've changed the program accordingly, said Kim Smith, because they need new nurses. We've taken all of her, all of her words of wisdom, you know, tweaking it along the way to make it the best program that, you know, we can possibly make to meet these needs that, you know, healthcare is suffering from. The hope is to eventually have 12 nurses in the program per year. Smith says that would make a huge difference to the emergency department and to the level of care that they can provide. Amy Feierisel, North Country Public Radio. The story was part of our ongoing series on rural health care in the North Country. You can find all that reporting at ncpr.org slash healthcare. Music today by I Am Snow Angel of Lake Placid and Jared Stephen Doyle of Potsdam. I'm David Summerstein, North Country Public Radio.